This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. Unless you're playing a module with a fairly straight-lined path, some narrative threads are likely to get dropped in any TTRPG campaign. Does that damage the story? How can you pick up those threads again, and do you need to? Let's get to it. Hey everybody, welcome to Up Your RPG. My name's Arthur. I am here with Emily, Michael, and this week we've got Scott along for the ride. If you would like to hear the other work that we do, you can check out our actual play podcast. It is called Under the Library. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm going to pass it over to Emily, who's going to run this here show. Emily, it's all yours. Oh, thanks. So you asked some great questions in the beginning, and... When we were discussing this pregame, we mentioned to our keeper, Michael, that he might have some things to add to our topic of narrative threads. And he responded rather strongly. And I think all of us were actually surprised because Michael, you mm -hmm. seem to feel really bad about a number of situations where you felt like you might have lost something along the way. And I'm going to warrant a guess that the rest of us kind of feel like things are okay. Maybe. Art, Scott, were you surprised yeah. at how? I, I mean, I, so what I was saying is that, you know, he writes these things and writes these threads and then we just completely ignore them. <laughs> um, but it really is kind of up to him as to whether or not they're important. Well, we I couldn't guess I possibly just, know. That's true. I just want to ask Michael. Look at, look at that look. Before we get into. He's either really surprised or he's about to deep his mic. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have given you the opportunity to just freely talk because you blamed Michael. Shame on you. Um, <laughs> Thank Michael, you. I just Thank wondered you. if you could give us an example of something of a thread that dropped in one of our stories that you felt like really did damage the story. Something that if that's possible without spoiling anything, because I guess we're in that world and it could come back. Yeah. But I, a situation that, where it was actually detrimental. Well, I I feel like, I mean, if we talk about, if we go through what we've been talking about for weeks now, I, I feel like part of my responsibility is to not make that de detrimental. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is if I'm so tied to y'all going in a certain direction and then you know, let's say we get to the fork in the road and y'all all decide to go left. And I had spent four hours planning on y'all going right. Um, if I can't adapt and make that left turn functional and resolve what's going on in the story, then I feel like that's where I'm starting to like let y'all down as a keeper. Right. I, I think personally, I view my function as how do you keep the story rolling even when some, even when the group deviates from where you were expecting or the thread that you were expecting them to resolve, and uh, I, you know, I think a lot about what Scott says, though, kind of how after season one ended, and there were all of these loose threads, which hopefully one day we'll get back to, right? But uh, Scott talked a lot about it, like a you know when he reads a, a piece of fiction or a novel or something, like he, you don't want to just have stories get truncated without some sort of allusion to resolution. And so uh, 
I, that stuck with me, Scott. I'll be honest on that one. And um, I, I'm also very patient in terms of thinking about when y'all might return to them. So I think maybe for for the group, you might think of things that have been lost or threads that have been completely kind of left behind. But in my mind, I see paths to get back to them. And I'm okay waiting until we get back to those, even though being fully aware that y'all are going to like create 30 new threads in the process. So essentially, it doesn't damage the story because you as the keeper and we as players or the GM of whatever game you're playing, you have the power to approach those threads again when you're ready. Or if a player is wondering what happened to a particular thread, they could make an effort in game to follow that rediscover it if you're playing a new character or whatever. So looking at it as damage is more just a matter of perspective. How patient can you be? Right. Well, yeah. And I think that that would also probably go along with how long you need that. If it's a, if it's a four hour session and that's all you have, then, you know, you probably, you're probably also not opening up that many threads. I think probably just by the nature of how long, I mean, what are we, what are we, a year and a half into this, yeah, two years and into it, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and so, so at that point, right, you're you're simultaneously creating all these opportunities, and there's some that, that yes, in my heart, I'm like, oh wow, I really wish they had gone there or checked that part out, um, but that's also where snake soil came out of. And so part of it I realized uh, was like, hey, all right. So they didn't go there, but they created this whole world that this scenario could exist in. And I really wanted this to happen, but it didn't. Um, and I didn't want to force it to happen. But I was like, great. So let's let's write it together. And then we were able to kind of put those pieces together. So part of me is also like kind of depends on um, how, how big your umbrella is for kind of channeling some of that creative energy. Because I think probably the biggest disappointment, right, is is when you have something built up in your mind and then there's no outlet for it to the table. And so even though we never played the snake's oil, and at this point we probably won't because it's it's kind of out there, uh, it, it at least was able to come to fruition and manifest itself as something out of our creative energy. And I fully that world and everything that happened in it existed because right i was able to vision it out of the world y'all had helped create and, and i will the... just point out and then i'll come to you art that for a lot of our listeners that may be a little bit of a stretch to have that as a solution because they're not all making a game for public consumption and may not all be ready to publish their modules but thinking about that as a possibility just taking that idea and using it somewhere else in a more general sense might sure. be I mean, just really quickly valuable. on top of what Michael's saying, you don't have to publish a book to create a module following <laughs> your game that picks up a thread, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be. The, right. That's the, exactly a, a, what I was saying. Publishing. Yeah. It can be. Like any... You can take that idea and use it for something else, even if it's not a matter of. Yeah of something so formal. Now, Art, what did you want to say? I, I just wanted to fill in the, the gap there for those who aren't under the library listeners, uh, that what Michael is referring to is a module that we wrote uh, that is in existence out there in the world. You can buy it at DriveThruRPG. It's called The Snake's Oil. Um, but it, it is a module that Michael wrote um, with input from us um, that apparently picks up some of those narrative threads that we dropped in that in the show. 
Awesome. Just for those people who aren't familiar with Under the Library. So, and I think what's, what's interesting is, you know, we're talking about, it's a good discussion, but we're talking about like the central narrative thread, like it's the narrative rope, right? And the reality is like, like I, I, I'm thinking of Strahd for a second for anyone that's ever played the Curse of Strahd. Like when you go through Strahd, there are hundreds and hundreds of things you can do, Right. Like Baba Yaga, I, I always think of this one. You, like, if you think about the metaphor of a narrative thread, it's you actually sort of have this image in your mind of there's literally a piece of thread and you're sort of following it along in the story. And then you get to the outcome or the end of it. And that's where the payoff is. And there are dozens and dozens in Strahd that are constantly crisscrossing. And so we could be going down one and then it's like, ooh, look at that shiny thread. And then we'd follow another one. And then you get most of the way there. And then it's like, ooh, there's another one. Like, so I don't look at that as necessarily wasted opportunity because in the game, it's organic. Like you're on your way to Baba Yaga, but then you get distracted by something else. Maybe you get back to Baba Yaga or you don't. But the story itself sort of keeps compounding and building over time. And, you know, the central story, yeah, eventually you're going to get to Strahd, right? That's the point of the game. But there's dozens and dozens of smaller threads that you either can follow or start picking up and dropping. And I don't think that that weakens things because that just sort of makes up, I'm going to go with the thread metaphor a little bit more like the warp and woof of a story, right? They're the parts that cross over and intersect with each other and they make that fabric. So I think that that's the part that I like so much is you can pick up like I, when we've had dozens and dozens of things in uh under the library that we follow for a little while because it's interesting or fun. And then we let them go if they don't work anymore. And that's, I think that's totally great. Like the fact that there's enough texture in the story that we can follow all those different threads. That's really fun to me. I, I also think that the, you're, as you're talking about this and I'm kind of contextualizing, uh, especially as you talk about Strahd, right. And I'm thinking, Oh, end game, there's Strahd, right. There's the big bad. And I, I think some of this also kind of falls into this realm of game design and thinking about how you're building your module or your session or your idea. And I, we're, we're very much taught to use big bads, I, I think, in role-playing games, right? Like as this adversarial component. Whereas I, I, I think we're starting to see a rise of things where um, there's no necessarily big bad out there but um it the setting itself is uh, i don't know if adversarial is the right word but is the challenge right that to figure out what it means to be a character in this space and um and in the mechanics of this world as it is right now has enough challenge to it so i think like uh 10 candles is probably a perfect example right uh that when you play 10 candles uh you as a group are describing the adversary and its function, but there's no like Jim the butcher out there who's who at the end is who you have to face off against, right? It's you against the environment. And I think in some ways, like as we look at how tabletop RPGs or how the idea of narrative can evolve within that, 
that uh, it's just really important to look at how the setting can be of an, enough of a context to challenge the players and that there doesn't have to be one puppet master pulling all the strings. And I want to ask, in the case of these many, many games where you end up pointed towards one big bad, you generally go into it knowing that, right? Not just assuming it, but something about the initial the introduction to the game or you know some of the materials that players are allowed to look at will tell you that i mean strat is an obvious example but would you agree that that's a trend among a lot of published work out there yeah i, I think it's pretty common in in games in general you know it comes from the whole yeah. video game genre where you know there's a, a big boss at the end uh you know it's that sort of satisfying i got to the end i got the prize i i you know, rang the bell, right. whatever. I I did that that thing at the end, uh, but I, I think Michael's point um, is an interesting one. That when you don't know what that is, um, and you don't, you might not even have it. it then the journey becomes the destination. Well, yeah, uh, and that's exactly my point as well. I was just trying to draw a comparison between it doesn't. The critical thing isn't that there is no big bad. It's that the group doesn't know what they're pointed at in the beginning. And if that's the case, it's a lot easier to not get really committed mm. to certain threads as a player and perhaps to not get so attached to certain threads as a, as a GM. But that's harder for me to judge uh, from the other side of the table. And I think really quickly, like, like I'm thinking about what the hell is it? The, the one that we just did already with the, the we had the in the Troll dungeon Stone. of the mad mage yeah dungeon of the mad mage like there was this one teeny little thing in it about having an inn and it just was probably meant to be like a little side note a place to go and not much more and for whatever reason we all sort of grabbed onto it and we we worked on the inn and we would send people to the inn and we rescued a bunch of uh halflings, halflings yeah. and and sent them to play like so even though it was sort of this teeny little thing maybe because we're idiots and just thought it was fun. We sort of kept that going and it became a very alive part of our experience. And so we rewrote elements of this campaign based on that one potentially teeny little thread for other people. So I think, you know, it, this goes back to a lot of points that Michael makes that, you know, inventing your own experience and creating and co-creating together is fundamental. And even in something that might seem as railroady and linear as a D&D module, I think there is infinite possibility with the right DM to really create something unique. And again, that was a teeny little thread that we turned into something much, much bigger. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it's that it's not just the DM; it's the entire party, yeah, uh, who has to be on board in in uh, you know altering that story and, and yeah, yeah. It, it, making but it if own. the if the DM's a railroader, if they're yeah. if they want to control things, mm -hmm. if they want if they're like the module says X, so I'm going to do X. I think they can sync that no matter what the party wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that goes back to sort of our our philosophy uh, of you know those those things have got to be ironed out among the group before you even start on the campaign. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and Scott. By the way, it's Babala Saga. Not oh, Babala Saga. Not Baba Yaga. Not Baba Yaga. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, yeah. The, the D and D nerds are going. <laughs> Sorry, D &D every time um, I always get that so wrong. We've spent a lot of time talking about whether or not dropped threads can damage the story, and I want to also spend a little bit of time on that second question that Art posed: How can you pick them up again? Because if you always know that you can come back around to it 
then even if you feel like you've lost something, you'll worry less about it. And so I just wanted to give an example from our game. Spoilers for the last couple of weeks of Under the Library. Is that fair? Yeah, sure. so um, that would be like the high 60s um, in episode number. So season three, uh, was that episode like eight through 10, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So the timing of this discussion is pretty great considering that some of our Bloodstone threads just popped up again in Los Alamos through Joe's vision, children in a mine, um, a, a hint to the players that there might be something interesting in Bloodstone, something related to the mystery they're trying to solve in another town in another state. So it all comes back to creativity. You can find a way to put something in as long as you're open to, oh, Michael. He looks so smug over there. Yeah, he does, because he wants to make a, a joke. But um, you you can find a way as long as you stay open-minded. Michael, did you want to say something? I, I did, because I, as you reminded me of that, I, it's not... Um, I, I wouldn't say it was detrimental, but uh, one one of those things which so you uh, your character Joe had brought this book and I was able to find a way to weave that one in pretty seamlessly, um, but mm -hmm. I can't explain that right now. Um, but however, I wasn't able to do the same for Art's character, and Art like really tried to uh, help me with this one with this relationship to Harold in bloodstone and his character trying to kind of find some links to the past there and, and that was one i i think that was one of those drop threads that i have regret about because uh that was a way i and a, a confession moment on the show here right i felt like connecting that was a way of honoring the work that art had put into his character and i was never able to like really fulfill that part there were hints of it and there were drops of it um but i i, I never kind of found the full potential of that one and at this point another spoiler alert of course but um you know that's that's it's not too late. <laughs> it's too late to kind of fix that one and and so those are i think those are the kinds of lost threads that probably uh have more ramifications in my mind it's okay yeah that go. makes sense character okay. death is kind of a hard Spreading stop out a thread right <laughs> <laughs> yeah although i i mean in some ways like uh you know we've been able even to kind of work through character death or in pc death to make those create more threads and um you know, and maybe who knows? Maybe we'll get back there eventually, and I'll be able to be a more creative uh, GM the next time around. But no, but I think really quickly, it, it's the difference between you said before that you're sort of playing patiently, and when I think about what Rick does in a lot of things, where when we go in different directions, and he's in D and D, he's comfortable with us going there, and he'll let it happen. And so, I think part of it is if it happens and it makes sense, great. Right. But if it doesn't and you force it back in because you really just want that part of the story to come in, that's less great. Right. Because you're 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 not sort of being respectful of the overall sort of story and narrative that's being built collaboratively. So I think that that's actually a good reflection. It's sad that we lost 
Franny's narrative thread, right? But at the same time, it is reflective of what happened in the story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always go back to um, it, you know the big criticism of Game of Thrones. This, I'm talking about the book, not not the show, um, because they are quite different as, as they go on. Um, but folks who who are sort of new to that world, Scott, you and I have had this discussion a lot. Um, it, it, it's it's really disturbing for folks that that main characters die in that series. I um, put it down. I, yeah. I, I made it to, I guess, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but I made it to the decapitation of yeah. the first main character. And I was like, Oh, screw this. This is, this mm-hmm. is not oh, what I thought. You didn't it was make it far be. at all. No, you didn't make it far at all. <laughs> no, I was so pissed off because there was no, there like, I'm such a fan of epic um, fantasy where you get to know characters, you build them over a long period of time. And it just, he was just like, <laughs> so I, I just was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to read this. But the, see, I think that that's part of the beauty of that series is that it, it creates such great tension as you go further forward, because not only does any narrative thread from that character get brought back up through other characters and that character's story winds up getting told and their relationships, uh, their, their challenges leading up to that point get told through other characters. Uh, But it then adds so much more tension to all the other characters that you like. You're constantly scared that that character is going to be the next one. And it makes the book that much more like intense to read. But like compare that to Wheel of Time, right? Where literally it's called the thread of the pattern. I mean, they he takes this metaphor that we're using is in gaming, and he literally writes it in as part of the the pattern of the magic system in the world there. And and you know, Jordan never lets a character go. Like the the captain of the ship that they see for eighteen seconds Doman, in one Dale book, Doman, Doman yeah. comes in again and again and connects them to a dozen other things. So, you know, I think Jordan, it became ponderous at times, but one of the things that people that love those books love is that you have these characters and you don't know someone that you saw for eight seconds isn't going to come back and become integral to some other thing. So, But at the same time, when there's a conflict and when that character is in danger, there's, oh, you know, that character's not going to die. So I want to cut this off here only because we're going to get off track (laughs) with our literary yes. discussion and i'm Thank going you. to simple it uh, simplify it excuse me no simple it a little please. bit i'm gonna simple it i'm gonna simplify this argument a little bit into just two simple sides some people love following the threads and what they're looking for in literature or in a game is to know that the people they love are safe and that they can follow those stories and know they'll continue other people really love the tension and appreciate the fact that some of those threads get cut or just get dropped. And so those are both valid points. And playing Call of Cthulhu, you get more of the latter. Playing D&D, you get more of the former. So you just kind of pick your poison. Dropping threads doesn't really damage the story unless someone cares. If a player is frustrated, that's not great. If the GM is frustrated, that's not great either. But if you maintain an open mind and are willing to solve things creatively, it's not going to happen very often. 
you could always circle back around. For that reason, I think that this discussion just fits right in with all of the rest of our theses in these sessions, because a game like ours, an open-ended game, a sandbox without, as far as we know, a big bad, is so great because all of our stories are open-ended. That's gonna put a wrap on this week's session of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always find more information at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. <laughs>